if you're starting out and you probably don't have that farm experience, one thing that I I love to promote but not many people take it up is head have the very best farmer in Australia. If you're willing to move, I would offer my time for free for six months. You're going to waste you know, 30000 bucks a year at uni. You may as well waste it somewhere on farm. And I'm not saying uni's bad or anything, but you could do uni or you could go volunteer or at the end of it, go volunteer. Get to know the very best farmer and work with the very best farmer in Australia. The barrier to doing that is you expect a wage, but in some way you can do it for free or cheap. That could give you access to someone who's very wealthy, very influential, and very connected. And straight away, you've got two or three years under your belt, uh, leapfrogging yourself. Welcome to Boots Off, Log On, a podcast where we talk all things farm business, a show about the business of farming, bringing you insights and wisdom from the leaders in farm business, helping you minimise risk and maximise return on all your hard work. I'm David, and I'll be your host for the show. G'day, and welcome again, everybody, to the podcast. Today, I'm talking with Sam Marwood from Cultivate Farms. Sam is a farm business matchmaker. He started Cultivate with his good friends, Tim and Tegan Hicks, to foster the emergence of a new generation of farmers with a vision of rejuvenating rural communities. Cultivate helps match retiring farmers who want to keep ownership in their business with young, talented and enthusiastic farm business managers who don't have land yet want to invest in farming and have a long-term career to be a farm owner manager. Cultivate has created a great alternative to selling or leasing land for aging farmers and a great opportunity for young, hardworking, aspiring farmers who previously didn't see farm ownership as an option for them. If you're an aging farmer or you're a young, aspiring farmer, this conversation is for you. Sam paints an exciting alternative vision for farming, for farming communities and a career in agriculture. Now over to Sam. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Um, you're a self-described, well, Coldbait's a self-described farming matchmaker, not a traditional sense. So uh, tell us about being a farming matchmaker, Sam. Uh, it is a bit, bit of an unusual uh, place to be or a role to be having. Uh, we didn't just we didn't, didn't set out to do that. We're well, I guess like any almost any business or any idea you pursue, you're trying to solve a problem for yourself. And uh, it was myself uh, and Tim Hicks, who's a co-founder with his wife Tegan. We both uh, had our farming dreams squashed at an early age, as in our family sold their farms, and so we went off and did other things. Um, so there's something about ownership that was a key driver to us being farmers and if we're going to own it why would we be farmers um i don't know some something about ownership that was that needs to be there so i worked for government for many years tim went to be a landscape gardener uh, and then we caught up one day and um tim just said look i really want to own my farm imagine if there was a business to help uh, young people own a farm and i clicked i said yes absolutely where is that business and after googling and talking to many people as we could to realize our job is matching people, matching retired farmers and aspiring farmers. That's the best way to make a pathway for ownership for the next generation and hence being matchmakers and hence it's in this period of everyone having a matchmaking app, I guess we've got the equivalent in some ways for farming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do. You're not exactly the tinder of farming, but you Well, eFarmony, <laughs> we tried to get the URL for, but uh, to be corny. Oh, did you? Oh, that would have been that would have been pretty cool, wouldn't it? Um, appeals to a certain demographic at certainly one end of the matchmaking scale, doesn't it? That's right. But it puts a lot of people off. I think you know it. It, it really is about matching people. But 
uh, we do focus on it's it is a relationship. It's about finding someone you get along with. Almost like getting married, you've got to you got to wake up every morning being happy. You, you connected and and then you got a relationship together. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's a lot about time and values alignment and being open and uh, and uh, yeah, and let alone the farm itself and how to how to run it, and make money. Yeah, so to, to clarify this, so you and your good friend Tim and Tegan Hicks so decide to start Cultivate, which is I think the, the name of your, well, I know it's the name of your business. Um, and you grew up as a, you grew up on a dairy farm, I think, in Central Victoria somewhere. Is that right? That's right, Dingy. And then, like you've just told us a story, you and Tim and Tegan said, "Okay, let's do this thing." So you're not matching. Well, you are matching people essentially, but you're matching people who want people to come and farm with them yep. or, or take over the running of their farm with people like yourselves and Tim and Tegan who really want to be farmers but aren't necessarily, in this case, born into or could go through a normal succession event to get one. Is that? That's right. So the, the bottom line is that if you're a next-gen farmer and you're good enough, we're saying there, they're, hopefully, there probably is a retiree farmer out there who is waiting for you. Um, so we're trying to... Uh, get the next generation into gear, saying, you know, go work for 10 years on a farm, be the best, uh, know how to run a farm really well. Um, and we're t- saying to retiree farmers, if you're thinking about uh, you, your kids don't want it or you don't want your kids to have it, or you know, but you know you want to age on the farm, we're saying think about sharing, sharing ownership with that's a business of the land could be a great way to attract the very best farmer who aligns with your values. So we're trying to get both sides, I guess, of that match. Uh, interested and excited with the idea of sharing, and then if we, I guess, if we get enough retiring farmers thinking about it, and enough next gen farmers, there should be enough matches out there to satisfy the market. Um, but getting, you know, getting next gen farmers to understand this is pretty easy. Most want to own their farm. It's the retiring farmers that we spend a lot of time trying to let them know: Hey, you don't have to sell your farm and walk away. You can if you want to. That's fine, absolutely. Or you can give it to your kids, which is great as well. But if you, those two options aren't there. We're saying there are thousands of next-gen farmers who would give their left arm to have the chance to get to know you and see if there's a relationship that could be set up. Yeah, and so this, um, do you see this as an evolving um, thing that could really evolve farm business to the way farm businesses run the going forward? Because what I'm seeing through our exposure through our client base and through my exposure to agriculture, there's less and less farmers and less and less people wanting to be farmers. I think when maybe I might've been the last generation where it was almost, you just, someone did. Um, these days it's, it's not as common to say someone, you can't assume that one of your children's going to want to fuck up, um, or you want them to. Um, um, so do you think this, I know, I don't know if you call it professional, but these people who choose farming as a career, as opposed to just being born into a business is a model that could um, develop or you hope to develop over the future. Absolutely. I reckon this is the key issue that is going to get a lot of people out of computer science and, I don't know, whatever, being a doctor and pursue being a farm farmer is we're saying you can own your farm. You're not going to own the whole thing 100%, but there is a pathway for you to own it. You've got to be good enough. So like doctors go off and train for however long, six, ten years, uh, they know they're going to be a doctor, uh, same as accountants. We're saying here, if you want to be a farmer and own your farm, which that ownership, I think, is the key differentiator here, you've got to be good enough. So go start from scratch, but go build your way up. And there is a pathway. It's that 
it's that hope of ownership that has been lacking. And you know, a lot of people say this isn't possible, but we've got case study after case study that it is. And we're saying, well, really, the thing stopping it happening is your attitude and your ability to get out there and, and hustle and, and find people and be a good farmer. Uh, and there's a little bit of luck in there, but we, we are, we'd love it if people uh, moved and, and had that passion for farming that they really have no more barriers mentally to pursuing it. It's it's possible. So go and be a farmer. And I, I, I'm very confident that there are no any more any uh, barriers to people becoming farmers. So hopefully that means there'll be a lot more wanting to have a crack and the best get will have the chance of, of getting on their farm. Do you find that a lot of your applicants, so the people who wanting to get into farming, you tend to follow a fairly traditional far, uh, pathway in education in the context they might go to ag high school or ag university, like, you know, a Muris or a Mark Solon or a Roseworthy and and then normally they're going to go into agribusiness, aren't they? If they're not, if they don't already have a farm to go home to, or they want to go home to, they'll probably go into banking or, you know, anything, any of the supply and um, um, selling parts of agriculture. So if you're going to those students now, this is um, a, a possible pathway for them. And is it something they have to invest in? No, no one says, I'm not going to graduate at 22 and become a farmer. I'm going to have to have a pathway, not like you said, a doctor. By 30, I'm going to make sure I'm good enough to be a farmer. That's exactly right. So, yep, you go go do the courses, go work on farms, do whatever you think you need to do to be an excellent farmer um, and also build your own wealth. So most people are trying to save $3 bucks to get a deposit, whatever it is. We're saying, that great, if you can, but at least build some sort of wealth to show you are good with your money. And then you can put that in as your risk money. You know, build a, get a herd. If you can lease, lease and land, build a herd up, invest in property somewhere, um, get a side job, earn more money. Have that nest egg, I guess, ready so you can put that in as risk money to a partner um, that you hopefully will find. But if you're not good with your own money and you're not a good farmer, why would anybody want to work with you? Um, so we're, I guess, again, we give that hope to make people want to hustle and want to get the education they need and want to work hard and wake up at crazy hours and go work on the farm for somebody else because they've got that hope of ownership. But um, I guess that's the been that we feel that's a lacking thing. And you talk about people going to TAFEs or, or universities for agriculture, and a lot of them either know they're going to get a farm or they're going to go work in a related industry. We're saying now the third and maybe it's fourth option is you will own your farm. That's what you want. We're saying it's possible. So keep going. Don't just think uh, it's for those who, who are inheriting. And education. So I know you, a, a lot of what Cultivate does is education. You have a number of programs. I, I was reading on your website, you have Cultivate and Mastermind Communities. So I always think is, so, and you've had a lot of case studies. So the education, both formal and informal, you need to be successful. So you have successful case studies. Can you explain what education and experience do you see as the keys to success in this in this opportunity to take really this opportunity and win at it? Yeah, and so when we mentioned talked about education, I think we talk about that um, how to hustle and how to be creative and how to how to get up when someone says no and it's the best opportunity you've ever seen in your life and you don't get it. How to keep going? I guess is that that education we offer. Um, we we don't do the how to farm well. You know, all those um, details, you don't come to us for that advice. Uh, you, you go to Agri Master uh, for you know, getting your business sorted. But uh, 
it is that how to present yourself, how to how to tell somebody at the pub what your vision is and that you do want to own a farm. How do you have that confidence that you are worthy to even have this a discussion? How, have you got a uh, this is what Mark, uh, cultivator a program is about? It's a, uh, have a two page pitch document. So how do you get all your ideas down to show how you could run your ideal farm and have a two page two page document that you could hand to anybody? Uh, and uh, alongside that, how can you talk to that vision to anybody uh, that you meet? Because you just never know who might have a farm or who's got an auntie that has a farm or who's got connected with funding or investment. Uh, but if you're not out there telling people about your vision and if you don't have that vision and a practical plan and confidence that you're good enough, then opportunities aren't going to come to you. So that's the education we we do to get your pitch ready. So we do three-minute pitches. You can jump on our YouTube and you can see farmers doing three-minute videos, which is you know, gives you tingles. But these farmers are awesome and they just need someone to back them. And then the mastermind program we run, and people can do all this themselves as well, but the mastermind is just regular check-ins with all their farmers once a month and say, you know, what have you done? Who have you spoken to? Uh, you've got an opportunity. All right, let's unpack how best to build a relationship with that retiring farmer or you might have an investor. Okay, well, how would you package it up to make it attractive for them. So it's all this continually putting yourself out there, dealing with opportunities one by one and and mapping it out so that hopefully, which just happens a lot of time, uh, there's an opportunity. I guess just one one that comes to mind is Andy White um, and she did one of her cultivator programs and she joined because her parents wouldn't uh, invest with them into their farm and they had a corporate arrangement where they were working for a, a corporate farm or an investor. An investor salt was about to sell up and, uh, and they were going to lose their job. And I said, look, we'll do cold rent anyway. We don't really know what's going on with our future. But I said to her, well, yeah, you've got to take control. What do you want? Why, why are you waiting on other people to decide your life? So she and her husband did the program and they had their pitch. And they were talking about the pitch to their parents at Christmas, I think it was. And, uh, and the parents said, what? Hang on. That looks pretty good. Uh, and they ended up backing them to buy the investor's property out. Um, and so it's this... How do you how do you be proactive and show people you are good? Not in a copy way or you know, a false way. It's just how do you be prepared to jump on opportunities? Uh, and it's I guess you're not if you're not out there and you're not confident and people don't know how do opportunities come to you? It's like business. You've got to clarify your services, put yourself out there like Agri Master does. You've clarified your service. You've got your team. You've got your, your pictures and your, and your communications and people come to you. And that's exactly how next-gen farmers need to think. Be ready. Opportunities will come. You never know where, never know when, uh, but they will. And you're, it's your fault if you're not prepared. So it's almost like there's two paradigms I've got in my head. There's one where it's about like perfect, developing yourself professionally. So in, in a Kim, when I look at my urban friends, it sounds like a lot more like a partner track and a law firm or an accounting firm. You know, a lot of these guys and girls, you know, they study like hell, then they get a job in a firm and they just work nuts hours like most farmers do. And eventually they might get offered to buy in as a partner and they have to save the equity to be able to buy in um, or source the equity to buy in. So that sounds very similar to that and a similar level of hustle. So is not so different to that. But the other thing is this idea of you as the startup. And I mean, you're looking for funding to start you up, really, aren't you? Like it, and you, you've got to be a great product worth investing in. 
That's right. It's a really good way to look at it. Uh, but maybe a proven startup probably is why I would say it's like you've been doing it for 10 years. You know the books of someone else's farm. You run them. You know it inside out. Uh, it's like breathing. And that's that confidence that you can give. And it's almost a lower risk investment. It's like, yeah, I know how to run a farm. I've done it. And I just want to copy and paste it over here. Um, so it's almost like not a weird you know, new app that no one really knows what it is. You're trying to get people excited that could solve the wicked problem. It's a farm. Everyone knows farming and that you have nowhere to run it and um, it should be a lower risk startup in that mindset um, but yeah you're still going to have the hustle and the drive to prove you're good enough and be able to pitch yourself um, and and then get rejected 35 times until one day someone says yes i tell you what it sounds like a great program for people who are even in line to inherit the farm i'm thinking if i was still farming um, i may actually have three sons and i don't have a farm i don't farm anymore and um I'd go, I want them to go through this program to see if they're good enough to take over. Like, because I'm just looking, hearing you and I'm thinking, Jesus, I'd want one of these candidates to run my farm because it, yep. so, it sounds a lot better than that. Because I think the trouble is, is that I was one of these people. I, I went to Ag University and then went home farming for 10 years. And you, you um, haven't had to fight for that property. Yes, it's hard work and yes, you have to do all the stuff, but not the fight that your candidates have to put in, you know, it, it's there. So, um, do you, are you see, do, do the farmers who take, who end up partnering with these, um, applicants, I don't know what to call them, <laughs> these, these entrepreneurs, do they, do they find they get a full different quality of business operation from these candidates and then they might've got from even themselves when they're younger or maybe expect from family? Is this a different type of management, more professional? Well, can't answer for everybody, but absolutely. I, mean, I guess that's the angle we pitched to retiring farmers, and I was in Gippsland just recently doing a, uh, a number of events around um, succession planning. And uh, just thinking about a few of the matters off the top of my head, you're, you're not just getting an employee, you're getting someone who's risking their money and risking their life and who are proactive and have somehow found you as a retiring farmer. And so from a retiring farmer's point of view, we often say, hey, don't you realize the carrot you've got here is ownership? Like that is massive. That is, if you're thinking about a purely business model, you've got something that the next gen really want uh, and the next gen just would do anything for it. So if you can use that, you can get the absolute very best farmers to, to come and work with you. Um, so leverage it, leverage it. And, and you, you know, their goal is to have someone who loves to farm just as much as them, same values, and ready to work hard and ownership. And working on the farm are those two things. And, and if you've got an entrepreneur who's come to you with a pitch and uh, you can see it's really clever, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great mix. And that's, I think, uh, not that being an employee is a bad thing at all, but it's, uh, you, I think you're going to get a, a person who is completely vested into, into your farm because they've got that carrot of, of immediate ownership because we want them to invest something, but also a carrot of earning in or buying in over time. Just like you're talking about with those partners at a, at a law fair. Yeah, skin in the game seems to make a big difference to us humans. We seem to act a bit differently when we got skin in the game. Yeah, and building wealth and you think about your family and your legacy, a lot of, lot of farmers, they do talk to us in their program saying, you know, it's a legacy. I want to create a legacy for my kids. It's almost like, I don't want my kids to work as hard as I've had to. Yeah. But then your kids become entitled and that's another discussion. Uh, <laughs> but it's a big driver, yeah. But what that one I think we all forget is the working hard bit that 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 hustle like you mentioned is the bit that made you 
what you have, like what you're handing on is the hustle that, yeah. you know, the, the scars that you have from the business you've built is what made you great. Um, so you really don't want to hide that or have your family or your children avoid that. That's the best. Well, I suppose you're almost like, it's like pain, isn't it? You don't want people to go through it, but in order for them to be the best version of themselves, they usually have to. So yeah. you've got to grow. Well, and just having your thought around, um, inheritance that people are going to inherit. I do think they should do a program like this. I remember at a Marcus Oldham event I was at and presenting, a young fellow put his hand up and said, hey, I'm the eldest of six and I'm getting my farm. And I said, are you? you know, you'll probably be 65 uh, when it gets handed to you. And you, what have you done? You, you're sitting around waiting. Maybe you should, like Andy White, do a pitch and go find another farm elsewhere. Um, you just, if your parents aren't going to be handing it over anytime soon, you're not confident, I sit around and wait. That's my. On my fears and hearing next gen farmers waiting, waiting for something they're not quite certain. And maybe it is, and they should encourage certain certainty of that inheritance. But uh, I would encourage those who do have that pathway mapped out that don't just put all the eggs in my basket. Certainly. And at the end of the day, for a lot of um, parents, the next generation taking over are their superannuation for a lot of people. So they are investing, you know, they're, they're saying, uh, you know, which is oh, well, I think sometimes it takes a long time to hand over the business. They're, they're putting their full financial security and future for the rest of their lives in the hands of their, the generation taking over in, in many cases. So it's, um, yeah, it is. It's, uh, I love this idea of seeing it like, okay, you've got to earn the right for me to invest in you, um, because this is my future. Yeah. And just then I was thinking maybe the three kids who are going to inherit have to pitch. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's the way the, yeah, definitely. the family should do it. <laughs> As a farmer, so we're seeing this a lot at the moment. So there's a lot of consolidation happening, especially with high land prices at the moment. So, and there's not always a sissy, uh, like we began the podcast, there's not always someone who's wanting to take over uh, in the family. So I'm a farmer. I'm in my, let's say I'm in my mid-60s and I've decided I'm just too tired and I want to do this anymore. I want to go fishing. But I still love this stuff. Um, and, you know, my options, I've, before listening to, you know, Sam today, my options were sell to the neighbours, lease it out for the next 20 years and just build a house on the coast. Um, so, so if they want to consider this option, so now you, you're presenting to these, the, these um, guys and girls, look, there's another option you can stay. Um, so what are the challenges they're going to have to go through? So they go, yeah, that sounds like Sam's made a compelling argument. I've never thought of that before. What are the challenges? What are the stages that they're going to have to go through mentally before they can really, uh, um, I don't know, grab this with both hands and do it properly? So this was the, uh, issue that we have learnt to build lots of solutions for. So we've created a free aging on farm guide, uh, and we want retiring farmers to think like this, to go, well, I don't want to sell. I still want to be involved somehow. And so we've called it Aging on Farm. So and it's come from all these discussions that we've had with the retiring farmers. And in there, there's checklists, some stories and, some, and a checklist of everything you should think about uh, to determine if Aging on Farm is for you. Uh, and primarily, the number one thing is, what do you want for yourself? What do you want for yourself and your farm and for your community? And we're trying to get people to detach themselves from the farm a bit and go, yeah, I, you know, I do, I love farming, but I, you know, I want to I sit on the board of the footy club and I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And 
uh, and the farm's a thing that's slowing me down, but I don't want to leave it. I don't want to sell it. Um, and, you know, I, I, I could see the footy clubs getting smaller and I can feel these pressures of a community. And, yeah, maybe, maybe I've got a role here as my legacy is to not leave and to re- retain the knowledge and share that. And my kids don't want it. Yeah, okay, well, maybe with that bigger vision in mind. And that's the only thing I think that will get people to think about sharing more, more in more detail is that bigger purpose. You know, I talk about love and purpose of life a lot. You know, what do you want? What do you want? And once you know what you want and you know that is that there is a bigger picture that you're aiming for for yourself and your community and your family, then you'll be open to this idea of sharing. And then once you've clicked, then there's all these things you need to work through, including talking to your accountant and lawyer uh, and agronomist and everybody around whether you should and how. It, it is all technically absolutely possible. These things happen all the time. Um, but it's just a process you need to go through to make sure you've got yourself covered uh, and that you've got everything in place, that you're not getting ripped off and that this isn't a free ride to the next-gen farmer, but it's a win-win for everybody. Then it's finding that, putting yourself out there and trying to find those next-gen farmers, um, which is a bit of of art and a bit of magic to it to try and find that person or that couple that you align with. So I guess a bit of a cascading. What do you want out of life? Make sure you've spoken to people and got uh, alignment that this is what you should, you can do, it's possible. And then third, it's trying to find that that person or people. Uh, and yeah, again, the accountants and lawyers will, will be able to guide you through all of that. Uh, but it should be primarily driven by you. If you don't want this, don't do it. But we're saying, hey, just think about it. I think this guide also came from one, one uh, conversation with a retiring farmer who was in tears and just found out about what we're doing. And there, they just sold their farm. And I said, we didn't want to sell it. We, we don't want to go. But we had no other options. We didn't know we could do this. And that, I guess, it made it really sad, basically, um, that there's these people out there who just love farming and running out of a bit of puff and didn't know that there are 25,000 next-gen farmers who would have loved to partner with them from all over Australia. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, we wrote the guide in the hope that we avoid those, those situations. Yeah, it's a good point you brought about communities. I think on your website you got about uh, the vision is to vitalize, uh, revitalize rural communities. I can't speak for every state, but some states I know that I was I was at a, a at Abner District not last year, and um, a big a big farming district in the the um, in the midwest of Western Australia, and there was only seven farmers left in the district. They're, they're massive. They're all pretty big. They're all very successful, but. So the community is almost non-existent, um, but the businesses themselves are very, very successful. So like you said, the traditional options of either leasing or, or selling creates that, 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 that death of community, not deliberately, just through, just through the normal process of business. So, so what you're saying is this is not just a opportunity to bring in a, an outside successor in a way or a CEO or an owner, but also a way to try and keep the, the, the kindle of that community alive to get young blood into that community. It really is. And, you know, I, everywhere you go, everyone says, are we a bit of a different community? It's like, no, you're all pretty much the same in a way that you, you, you love where you live. You know, it's a great spot to live. Uh, and it's just, there's a missing link, which is that ownership. And I think every town, every farm and community in Australia would be attractive to farmers uh, if that ownership was, was possible. Um, 
And we are, and we've got this cultivated communities concept where you think about so many people employed in the ag industry, their job is to attract people and get them into farming and keep them in the industry and et cetera. And we're saying, you're just missing one bit, which is this pathway to ownership. You can nail that. You get lots of people coming back. And so we try to find ways for communities to be their own matchmakers. You don't need us. Everyone, you know, everyone loves to matchmake at dinner parties. They're friends. And we're saying, yeah, your job now is to matchmake retiring aspiring farmers. And that takes time. We uh, did a project up in Ingham. They invited us in, in Queensland and we were really struggling. It took us you know, two years. No one really, I thought it was weird what we're doing, which is fair enough. Uh, but about you know, a bit over two year mark, we made three matches in a month uh, of next-gen farmers and retiring farmers because it just took time for people to click. But we didn't do that much in the end. We just had the big community champions who got it, gave them lots of their ideas and tactics, but they were the ones who followed through. Uh, and so we're saying to bankers, lawyers, uh, the hardware store, uh, uh, the supply, agri-master, anyone in the community, you know, uh, to say, you, you, if you want more people back in your community, you show how ownership is possible, you start making the matches and watch what happens. Like even having him talk about investment either here, and that's another big factor that we think locals and there's proven case studies of this as well. Locals, instead of investing in the share market in you know, somewhere overseas in a business, invest locally. Buy, pull your money, and buy a farm for a next gen farmer. That yeah. now, guess what? <laughs> we keep finding is there are so many solutions out there. It's whether you want to pursue it, whether you as a next gen farmer want to pursue it, whether you as a retired farmer want to pursue it, whether you as a community champion. Worrying about your community, uh, don't, don't worry anymore. Just get on and do. And there's heaps of tactics out there to, to make it possible. Definitely. And um, one of the one of the things we talk, I love to talk about on this podcast, and I write about, is I love the idea of emerging business models within agriculture. And and when you're talking, I'm listening to even as the next generation. Let's say you have a successful family farm and. None of the none of the children wanna. They've all gone and had successful careers, and none of them are really. They love the farm, but they're not really interested in running it. There's, but even as a family, that's another option. In other words, I want to even as a next gen, I want to stay connected to the farm, but I want I'm happy to share a little bit of ownership and have professional management there. So me and the kids can travel up from Perth, Melbourne, or Sydney, and go to the farm on the weekends and stuff. And we know it's being run well, and we've got a really good invest, long-term investment. So it's even an option, not just for oldies who are wanting to, you know, pull back, but even for young people, if they do have skin in the game, well, they do have the opportunity of ownership, that, but they may not want to run it. They might not have to sell it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I think about that uh, all the time. And so if I was a... Uh, going to inherit the farm and realizing me and my kids, our brothers and sisters didn't want it, you'd be saying to your parents, hey, let, we'll sit on the board. Set up a board. We'll sit on it. And once a month, we'll check in. Let's get a next-gen farmer in. Let's give them some equity so we know they're bought in. Maybe in the business, maybe, maybe the back paddock. They can buy the back paddock. And what I'm learning more and more is all these legal arrangements so that uh, if the next-gen farmer and you've got something about wanting to own the land 100% your family forever, you as a, as a family trust can have the first option to buy that back paddock back off again that next gen farmer if they don't stick around so you can, there's all these technical legal arrangements to give you full ownership but also to share effectively to give the carrots but yeah i, I think i've heard many next gen uh, potential farmers saying I don't, I don't want the farm but i can't tell mum and dad but i love it i love bringing my kids to the farm and i you know i want all the 
all the joy without any work. Um, and it's saying, well, great. Well, what you've still got is a massive opportunity. You can keep the farm in your family forever, um, but you can sit on the board and relatively easily oversee this amazing farm and still support the community and you live a thousand kilometers away. So yeah, that's what we're, I guess, giving hope is that there are so many technical solutions and you can, by offering some form of ownership, attract very, very, very good farmers to take on your farm. I had this picture in my head when you were telling that story about the Canadian uh, club ad, you know, I don't like the taste of beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're not allowed to talk about it. That's right. You're ostracized or you look funny by saying it, but uh, it is a big, it's a burden for, I'm finding for so many, uh, yeah, people in their in this in this i guess farm isn't it the next gen some people want it yeah some yeah some people shouldn't be farmers probably as well isn't it like you inherit a farm maybe you shouldn't be it's not your skill yeah. i had a, I had a farmer from my hometown who actually ended up going into farm succession uh, after he retired and it was a really big bow for him because what actually happened is i think he was helping a, a, a friend go through a succession event and they had, you know, all the normal required people in the room. They had the lawyers in the room, the accountants and, and the advisors in there. And he as an outsider just said to, went to every individual, I think there's four kids, I think, in, and they were trying to do succession planning. And he said, who wants to be a farmer? And he found out privately that none of them wanted it. And so they were spending tens of thousands of dollars going to the succession event. And nobody wanted, but nobody had the courage to tell mum and dad that they didn't want it. Um, so it was a really interesting, so for him, that gave him the, the impetus to start up a practice that really helped facilitate this process a little better rather than just seeing it as an accounting legal problem. Yeah. And I just see, yeah, feel the, it's a burden, isn't it? It's you're, you're destined for something you don't really want to do. Yeah. Be full on. But then to know. But there are, yeah, again, thousands of other people who would love it. And it's just, again, finding and your, your job could be to help uncover those people and still be part of it. And so you're, you're, it's a win-win. You're, your parents are happy that the farm's been looked after and, and you're happy because you've still got a property that you're involved in, but you don't have to run the, the run it. Do you ever get pushed back from, so I'll a, a relate a story I had. I, about five or six years ago, I had a conversation at an event with a farmer and he had done a very early version of what you're doing professionally, which is he had a long-term farm manager and none of his children wanted to take over the farm. So his, he'd helped his farm manager buy in 10% of the farm and he was going to take over as the CEO of the, of the business. And his big grief is he was getting massive pushback from the three adult professional children who, who who didn't want it, but they really had issues with him giving 10% to, to this outsider. Um, is there any navigation or any process that farmers, when they go through this process, are going to have to keep their family involved in this? Because it's not probably a logical, it's a very emotional thing um, that they're going to have to go through or this com experience might be common. Uh, absolutely. Involved from the very start and involved ongoing. Uh, and there's this weird jealousy, this weird you know, history of someone did something to me 10 years ago and I'm still paying them back uh, whilst things are going forward. So, yes, family need to be absolutely involved. Uh, and just think about that example there and gifting equity to someone who's not inside your family, it's that I can see straight away would create tensions. And so we would be thinking about, well, maybe it's they, they have a target of being to buy in 10% or 
they will offset some of their wage to be able to buy in. So it's not so much they're getting gifted, just reframing it a bit. Said, yep, you only get 10%, uh, or you've got the first option to buy, but you still got to earn your way in. So just being able to have those discussions, again, maybe using the word ownership really does help either say people go away and don't want to talk about it because ownership, sharing ownership is too much. But if they do, then it's always, okay, how are we sharing ownership, not necessarily giving it away? Um, and then how is the family happy that, yep, 10% of this business uh, or the land value is going to be earned by this outsider? Uh, that's fair. That seems a little fair and equitable and it's a win for us because we know we've got the hooked in. But to me, that feels like, you know, just, I guess, like a marriage as well. You're just going to keep talking and working through the different seasons of life. But you've got to be, uh, it's one of the first things we tell our farmers, like any succession planning is, is talk to your family and make sure they're 100% on, on board. And probably the awkward thing is that probably not everyone is on board all the time, is it? Um, and ultimately, the retiree farmers are in control. It is their property. Um, and But making those decisions is is hard and it's probably, yeah. <laughs> at that point, you just need to make sure you have lawyers and accountants and your family, friends and everyone supporting you, thinking it through. But um, yeah, you'll never, no matter what, you'll never find a pathway that, that ticks everyone's boxes. But as long as it's fair, legal and, and you're constantly talking about it. That's great. Do you ever see people go the whole other way in the fact that they've taken on, they've, you know, they've got a new, uh, 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 one of these people from outside the family come in, they've bought in equity, and then they use that opportunity to actually expand. And I always go, okay, now we've got, um, you know, um, these new, new enthusiastic people um, to, to take on the property that I'm actually willing to put more investment in, buy more land or lease more land. Do you ever see it as a impetus for actually expansion as opposed to just sitting on it? We haven't met any of those matches, but we've had lots of those discussions and we've heard about them as well. But I, I can see that it, it gives you, you go from, oh, this farm is hard work and I haven't been on a holiday since, for 20 years and, but I'm still, I love it. Um, to being matched to someone who's full of energy, sharing ownership, takes the burden off and your mind's freer and you're thinking, yeah, maybe uh, I do know that next that farm next door is up for grabs. And, and, what, well, and what we say to a lot of farm workers is, well, it's not so much maybe that you need to buy into the current farm, but maybe you should be pitching to your owner, the farm owner, hey, why don't we go harvest in the paddock next door? It's up for sale and, and expand together. So we'll... We've got a big list of who is a retiring farmer, the next year farmers, and one of those are you know, the big farmers in town who want to keep growing and getting bigger. And you need to be able to pitch and say, hey, if you want me as a worker, I want to be able to own a, one of those paddocks out the back with you. And, but it could be the same thing if you're just working on a farm is, is show that you're eager and present these ideas. But I know that that sort of discussion brings a lot of uh, trepidation for the next gen farmers because people, they think that, that the their employer might think they're greedy or that they're too ambitious and that might be the case and they could get fired. I, you know, these, these really sort of nervous sort of discussions, but I love, I love it to pitch it the other way where the next gen, to say to next gen farmers, this is about you saying and having a pitch ready to say, hey, I'm a great worker. You know I'm a worker. Your biggest risk in your business is getting a right worker. I'm the right worker. I want to build wealth with you. So let's do this together and I want to risk my money with you. What can we do? But I know that conversation comes with a lot of angst and uncertainty and you just don't know how the other party is going to respond to it. But 
that's the mindset we want to have. And I guess that's why we've got the Asian Farm Guide and that's why we're here as Cultivate Farms so that these discussions aren't awkward anymore. And in fact, every farmer in Australia should be thinking about sharing something in order to attract and keep the very best workers. Uh, if you can share some sort of ownership, you, you'll be able to do that. Uh, but at the moment, people don't know about it. And then if they do know about it, it's, it's awkward because one part, one party don't get it. Uh, That's great. I, I mean, I'm sitting here and I, I actually think it's a really exciting um, vision for farm management and farm ownership in Australia. Now, I'm, a, um, I'm either on farm working, I'm at university, I'm at maybe finishing school and thinking about what to study at university. Um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm somewhere between 18 and 30, I suppose in that, in that, you know, that, I suppose that really, I mean, formative part of my life and my career. Um, where do I start, Sam? So do I contact Cultivate? Is there some pathways I need to go just to get help to go, okay, I love the vision that Sam just point, painted. Um, I want to get on board with that vision. Where do, where do I start? Uh, definitely jump on our website. We've got free content. We're about to release a book for Next Gen Farmers as well, which has all the ideas in there. Read the AG on Farm Guide and just see it from a retiring farmer's point of view. Um, but if you're starting out and you probably don't have that farm experience, one thing that I, I love to promote but not many people take it up is headhunt the very best farmer in Australia. If you're willing to move, I would offer my time for free for six months. So you're going to waste you know, 30000 bucks a year at uni. You may as well waste it somewhere on farm. And I'm not saying uni's bad or anything, but you could do uni or you could go volunteer or at the end of it, go volunteer and get to know the very best farmer and work for the very best farmer in Australia. The barrier to doing that is you expect a wage, but there's some way you can do it for free or cheap. That could give you access to someone who's very wealthy, very influential, uh, very connected, and straight away you've got two or three years under your belt uh, leapfrogging yourself. Uh, even if it's not to do volunteer, but, but headhunt, I would be thinking about who are the very best farmers that I can learn from. So find a way to get to know them. Go volunteer and build a fence with them or do something to learn from the best. So one in my mindset is get to be the best. So with the internet now, you can find them and you can find a way to get to them. It's not necessarily those closest to you. Um, and the second is figure out where you won't move, um, where you will and have, start writing your vision of the farm you want. Uh, if you don't know what you're aiming for, it's pretty hard to get there. Uh, but figure out, it. you know, it's a 5,000-acre farm in the west of whatever state um, and know how much it is uh, and know, know how to farm it. Try and get experience. So you could run that farm like that or you already are running a farm like that. And then you should, if you know where you want to farm, you should have a little black book, everybody's name in the district. And you should understand where they're at. You should know the landscape better than real estate agents. Uh, and you know, people say to me, oh, Sam, I just found out this farm's for sale. Can you help me find an investor? It's like, too late. You should have known three years ago. Um, and you should have built a relationship with them and, and found a way to try and see if they would share the farm with you. So you need to understand the landscape. You need to be building relationships and getting to know these people, you know, joining the land care group, getting to build relationships, tell people about your desire to own a farm. And take the years to to find these find these opportunities. So yeah, get good enough. Speed that up by working with the best. Pick where you want to live. Know what you want. And spend five years getting to the community and casually putting your name out there. If you want to grab a parallel, um, 
I, since moving to Perth 20 years ago, a number of my friends are in the medical specialist industry and there, there's a really good parallel for them to go, you know, as a young doctor, if you want to specialize in, I know something, this is what they do is they hunt the planet and go and work for free for the best surgeon who will have them for two years. And so a lot of them who are specialists in whatever, they've spent two years working insane hours for this obscure surgeon somewhere around the world. And, but they can come back to Perth, Melbourne, Sydney and go, I've actually been trained by X. Um, and yeah, and they literally have to work, you know, um, you know, have to survive on no salary for two years to do this. Um, and each, every single one of them says it's worth it. So it's a real, it's not a, it's a, you know, so it's, um, I take Sam's advice, everyone. It's a, it's a good idea. Um, it is out there, but yeah, you know, you're young. If you're at, you know, 18 to 30, you are so young and you have luxury of maybe no kids, no mortgage, no strings, go do stuff, um, and try stuff. And when you put yourself out there, people are impressed and doors will open. But if you're sitting back. I, was, I speak at a lot of universities and the uni students are going, oh, I'm waiting for a piece of paper. And no, you're not. <laughs> Don't wait for a piece of paper. Get out there. Go and try things. Meet people and write a blog, like write about farming. Get any way you can to get in front of people who could open doors for you because people always love to back winners and proactive people. So get proactive and don't just sit around hoping you've got had to crack. Interesting. The um, talking about the bit of paper in the year before I graduated from um, Curtin, the the keynote speaker to the year graduating above me um, was a guy called Daryl Jarvis who was running a large corporate operation in Western Australia, and he said, "Congratulations, well done on getting your diploma degree, whatever you've got today. Now take a picture with your parents, take it home, put it in the drawer because no one cares." <laughs> um, and and it was basically saying, okay, it's not going to get your job. It, you know, it's like now the real work starts. Now you've got to learn to be a farmer, uh, a banker, or whatever you're going to choose. Now your education starts. That was just like a little warmer. Um, it was a really good, even I wasn't graduating, it was huge humility to me. It was just like, you know, it doesn't guarantee you to be good at anything. I agree. And, you know, there are those pathways. And university is great and tape is great. Um, but I'm worried it's making people a bit lazy and they're thinking lazy that they, that is the pathway to what it is one wants. It should be, there are many pathways to get where you want and make sure you're having a crack and, and it could be, you do need a piece of paper to open certain doors, but not, not all, not all the time. So just don't think there is one pathway. Definitely. Um, last couple of things. I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm one of our clients or a farmer around Australia, and I want to, you know, kick this stone over and see what's under it, Sam. Same thing. Where do I, where do I start? Uh, from a retiring farmer point of view? Yeah, a retiring farmer point of view. Yep. Yeah. Uh, definitely the ATL farm guide. It's like 30 pages. Get flicked to the back. There's three, page, four pages of checklist. Just read that uh, and think about all the things you need to know and, and work through to consider aging on farm. And then have a chat with your partner, have a chat with your family and figure out, yeah, what do I want out of life? And you probably feed tears and a couple of glasses of red probably. Uh, I reckon that's the number one. Just think, uh, what do you really want out of life? And 
soon you'll figure out, no, we just want to sell. Uh, we'll give it to the kids. Or, yeah, actually, we want to stick around and, and be part of this farm for as long as we can. Then, then everything cascades from there. But I think that's the big one. What do you want out of life? And what do you want for yourselves? And, uh, and then if, if it is to share as a pathway to make that happen, then you can read and see all the different um, things to do. But I guess that's, to me, that's very secondary. It's all possible. You'll, you can find the right farmer. Uh, your farm would be attractive to somebody. So just have confidence in that. But first, be a bit selfish. Think about what you want for yourself and, and for your family for the long term. Brilliant, mate. That's really good. Good place to um, leave this. Last question about you, mate. So when you're not um, being a farm matchmaker, what do you love to do, Sam? So when you're not thinking farmers, matching farms, how do you spend your uh, free time, mate? Uh, I've got a backyard, so I'm not on a farm at all. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I actually am a very good farmer, so it's probably a good blessing I didn't end up being a farmer, but I love I love the environment. I love farming. Um, so I tinker in the backyard. I've got a, a couple of boys and, and my wife. We just, I don't know, relax in the backyard and uh, and at home. But the kids keep us pretty occupied. There's not much you can do when you have <laughs> yeah, a couple of young boys anymore. You just stick around at home and uh, and uh, I thought that I saw that it was um, sort of masters type footing. Now that I'm forty, I should probably get back into footing. Oh yeah, a bit more. But uh, I'll tell you what, Sam. It, I um, remember when my boys were little and you do the father son footy match. It really hurts when you get tackled. <laughs> and it, um, yeah. you know, you, you forget, you forget either you either didn't feel it in your twenties or now it just hurts. Yeah. A lot softer. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to that then. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, thank you very much. Now, um, Sam, um, you'll send me some links, but I'm going to put all the links to cultivate and everything Sam's talked about in the show notes today. Um, so. If what we've talked about today um, sounds like um, something you'd be interested in, um, I'm going to put all the links in the show notes. Um, and um, Sam and the gang will better point you in the right direction. So, Sam, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a um, really actually quite um, exciting um, vision for agriculture outside what most people would normally um, think. Um, so and I really hope we get plenty of people listen to this and really um, make some think differently about their their opportunities going forward oh, thank you david yep changing mindsets or just letting people you know, re removing barriers mindset barriers is probably the number one thing so yeah thank you for your time and yeah thank you for the support agrimaster okay thanks mate as always if you'd like to know more about agrimaster farm business management software and services you can find us at www.agrimaster.com.au or you can find us on twitter linkedin facebook and instagram my aim with this podcast is to make it the most useful podcast you listen to and to help every farm business thrive. So if you like this episode, please take the time to share it on social media or even better, directly with at least one friend today. Plus give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify as it really helps us reach more farm businesses like you. So together we can make all farm businesses strong farm businesses. Thank you.